Hello, 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 Freedom Fighters. My name is Stacey and I'm one of Georgia's property strategists. And this is David talking all things finance. You would have seen David on live quite a few times, actually, David. Every month, I believe, we have a new topic. <laughs> we do. It's always nice to be back and having a chat to you and your team. So, uh, yeah, welcome, welcome back. Fantastic. So look, David, what we're going to talk about tonight, obviously, is do I qualify? A lot of people are unsure whether they qualify to get a property or not. Some people believe that they don't qualify, so they don't even bother researching or doing what they need to do to get there. So what we're going to talk about is I've got quite a few case studies in front of me, and some of those people should be here tonight, and they may pop into the chat and ask us questions. I'll bring them up as we go. So I'm going to start us off with a man named Grant. Now, Grant, let's say we've got Grant and he's got an income of around 120 to 130. Okay, there's our income. We've got savings of 70 and we're selling two properties currently with $240,000 set to come in from those properties. Now, what we want to know here is what's his potential? So in this next 12 months, what would it look like if that's all the information we have? So if yeah, that's it. Sure. And, and look, when, when you're sort of dealing with very limited information like that, um, you know, it's very hard to give a, a definitive answer about what someone can do over a period of time because variables can change. But Your microphone is a little bit quiet, David, if you oh. want to see if you can get right. closer to it or turn it up maybe. Is that is that better? Nope. Maybe everyone else can hear you. So let us know <laughs> if you can hear us nice and clear. Yeah, okay. Just the comments. Okay, I'll keep, I'll keep going. It seems to be quite loud on my line. So is that any better? No. No? <laughs> That's okay. Maybe it's my computer. If you can hear us live and loud and you can hear us clear, please type in the message. You can hear us clearly. Otherwise, we'll just keep on rolling. All right, let's try again. Okay, fantastic. Oh, that's a bit right, better. That's better. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. Okay. Technical difficulties, always a good way to start. Look, um, for, for someone that's earning $120,000 or $130,000, obviously that's a great start. So one of the, I guess, the two key fundamentals uh, when it comes to, you know, whether or not I qualify is twofold. One is income and then the second one is either your deposit um, and contribution or equity that you've got in an existing property. So in Grant's instance here, he's got income of one hundred and twenty or one hundred and thirty, which is fantastic. He's already got $70,000 in savings, which is a really good start as well. And selling those two properties and clearing $250K um, potentially is also going to open up more opportunities. So when it comes to developing a strategy, and obviously without having all the other information that we would probably need for him, um, yeah. you know, having up to $300,000 in cash towards property would certainly give him the opportunity to at least look at two or three properties using a 20% deposit and covering things like stamp duty as well. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of other things we'd need to look at in terms of monthly yeah. living expenses. Does he have any other debt? Um, but certainly a situation like that, we'd like to think that Grant would certainly qualify for at least one or two properties and pending other circumstances, you know, potentially more. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. All right. So the next case study is uh, we have a 56-year-old income combined, husband and wife, so no kids at home, 130. Mm -hmm. Owner occupier value one million, owes nothing on it, has an apartment for four forty, but owes the full amount. So if they want to buy a house and invest, is that a possibility, or should they look at one just doing one of those two things? 
So they've got an owner-occupied property worth a million with zero debt, and they've got an investment already worth four forty, and they owe essentially a hundred percent of that. Yeah, yeah, and a combined income of one thirty. Look, yeah. um, certainly, um, I think it's an interesting one because if they've borrowed a hundred percent of that property um, for investment purposes, what I would probably try and do is restructure the existing debt that they've got and create some equity. So if you've got a property worth a million dollars and you've got a zero debt position, there's a huge amount of equity that you can put towards future investment properties. So certainly on the basis of the income that they've got and the very low owner-occupied debt, plus some existing rental income, they'd certainly be in a position to look at buying a property and move forward. Again, obviously based on other sets of circumstances and monthly living expenses and so forth. But with no kids, I'd like to think there's a lot of opportunity for them to look at, you know, at least one property, if not more. Okay, perfect. All right. So the next case study is single man, pension, owns the own house worth $2.1 million and $30,000 in savings. So no debt. Also have no essential income from a job. Yeah, I mean that's a tricky one, obviously, because pension income. There's different types of pension income, so um, we do get asked this question a fair bit. You know, if I'm on work cover or if I am on um, a different type of pension income, do I qualify? And there are banks and lenders out there that will certainly count. Um, you know, that sort of work cover income. If it's purely the the government pension, the the six or seven hundred dollars a fortnight that you're entitled to, you know, that will really restrict the lending pool down quite a bit. We actually do have some lenders out there that are prepared to accept, um, you know, Centrelink pension income oh, for wow. serviceability. Um, it obviously, you know, it's generally going to attract, a, I guess, a higher interest rate um, and slightly other um, different terms and conditions. But if the goal for this client is to buy property, then there is a solution for them to potentially look at that. Okay, fantastic. Now, if anyone wants me us to have a look at you in brief. Uh, in terms of a case study, put your information in the side panel. So all we want, uh, now this is going to be very basic. It's obviously not going to get an overall picture, but as a basic picture, put your income, what you have in terms of savings or um, property, you know, what sort of equity you have in it and any debt, put debt and then the amount. We will run over that while we're on this call if we get time. With, with regards to the other, the, the one we've just sort of touched on with the, the gentleman that's got that $2 million property or $2.5 million property with no debt, I mean, I think it comes down to what their strategy and overall goal is. If they really want to yeah. get into investing and that's the way to do it, well, maybe there's options around downsizing and moving to a property worth $1.5 million and use that million dollars worth of cash or equity that you could put towards buying investments and generating that passive source of... Um, yeah, so the idea there was um, he wanted to create a passive income so correct the pension can offer correct exactly right and sometimes you've got to make those sacrifices and and sometimes it's a small sacrifice it might be closing a credit card or paying off a car loan to help your serviceability increase and sometimes it's something on a much larger scale by maybe selling an investment property that's not working for you to allow you to to do more things into the future so um, yeah absolutely some people hold on to investment properties for far too long um when they've I guess, thought it was a good strategy to begin with many years ago. They've held it yep. for 15 years and it's still not profitable to yep. to them. Um, yeah, they, they kind of sometimes have to let go. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so I've got here a young couple, income 200, so great, fantastic income, a house yep. value 600000 They owe 500 on it. Yep. And they've got a car loan, though, for 50 And a car loan for 50 Okay. 
Sure. Um, yeah, that's a good question. So um, one of the things that we always talk about, Stacey, as you know, is valuations and how drastically different they can be between okay. different banks and lenders. So, you know, if they've got an estimate of 600 and a debt of 500k, based on the, the income of 200, the car loan shouldn't really have too much of an impact on their borrowing. However, um, what will really make an impact on their ability to invest is whether or not we can get a valuation higher than that 600k mark. So um, normally speaking, banks will lend up to 80% of the value of a property. So if they owe, if the property is worth 600, normal criteria would be 80% is 480,000. However, they are in a position where we can go to a higher level and extract potential equity from that property. So Part of what we do really well is use and leverage the, the valuation system to maximise the opportunity for our clients. So we might be able to get a valuation for that property worth six fifty, for example, yeah. um, if it hasn't been looked at for a while, and that could be the difference between buying a property or not. Fantastic. We have had a case study come in here. Property yeah. worth five seventy five, owing mm -hmm. for six hundred. Combined income one twenty. Mm -hmm. Deposit offset account. Okay, 2024, yep. Yep. and then superannuation 89. Yep, sure. So a couple of things on this one, and probably tracing back to the, the, the example that we've just covered off, the valuation side of things is always one of the most important aspects. So, you know, if it's 575 or sometimes it's 650 or 600, the difference between that, again, can be the difference between a property or not. Based on the income and the debt position that they've got, there's potentially an option to look at a property there. The other thing I would say is with 90,000 in super and 120K as a combined income, if you can get that super in the next 24 months to a position of around 130 to 150, well, then that's a great opportunity to maybe look at buying through a self-managed super fund um, and start your investment journey there. And then when your property value increases to a point that we can you know, get enough equity out to buy a property in personal names, then continue that journey and buy a property that way. Fantastic. And we've got another one popped up here. All right, so self-employed, 170 combined per annum, 70K savings, car loan 18 and currently renting. What's our potential here? Yeah, definitely looks like an opportunity there. Um, obviously, self-employed income is a little bit different to your PAYG, so we need to understand how... How long Willie's had that um, that business for? Um, you know, how long he's had his ABN? Is he registered for GST, which he would probably have to be, being with an income of one seventy? Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, with self-employed financials, there's often a difference between what people think they're earning in terms of gross profit, and then the actual net profit and what a bank counts from a serviceability perspective. But I believe they, this is exactly how George started his journey as well. So he was yeah. self, -employed. yeah. Perfect. And we, we obviously cater for a lot of self-employed clients and there are a lot of opportunities um, outside of full doc lending as well. So definitely um, 170K income, good savings, certainly enough for a property in the vicinity of probably a $450,000 purchase. Fantastic. Awesome. Okay. So also I have got another lady who may be watching it tonight. Um, so a single mum, two kids, yep. income 118000 Mm -hmm. Owner occupier value one point five. Yep. Owes ninety five. Mm -hmm. Savings sixteen thousand. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, definitely. I mean, again, it's a it's a similar example, I think, to the couple before where they had that property um, worth a million dollars that was pretty much owned outright. Um, the, the goal here, given the savings is not there, that we really need to extract equity from her principal place of residence and sort of put a structure in place to help her buy multiple property over time. Um, so certainly an opportunity for at least one, potentially more. It really just comes down to what the client's strategy and end goal is, but definitely a win on that one too. Ah, oh, fantastic. Oh, I've got another one here yep. popped up. Okay, so income 160, savings 50, um, 517,000 in equity, sole trader, no loans or dependents. Oh, that looks like a smooth one there. It does. I'd <laughs> love, love to get these ones through, Stacey. We often Come on in. <laughs> exactly right. But, yeah, exactly right. I mean, I think at the end of the day, part of what we do, as you know, is we're very much a, a long-term strategic firm from a broking perspective where it's about not necessarily one property but, you know, three, four and five or even ten properties over ten years. And We've so, got people getting between one property every year or two, yeah. six properties yeah. every year depending on your situation. Yeah. Exactly right. And there's so many different variables, as we said, that go into what borrowing capacity looks like, but really tailoring that to everyone's individual circumstances and understanding their affordability and their cash flow position to make sure that we're not overstretching clients as well when it comes to, you know, going down the investment property path. But you again, only want to buy what you can afford, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. But definitely a win on that one as well, I would think. Yeah. I'd never want to be too far um, out of pocket either. Here we've got another one. Yeah. Definitely. We're coming through. Okay, so income 185 plus about 15 in savings, 60, oh, sorry, 65 in savings. Oh, plus about 15. Okay, income. Yeah, so about 80. Plus, yep. Okay, yep. Savings 65 and renting. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, this one looks on face value to be fairly smooth. Um, the biggest thing when it comes to, I guess, you know, what can you actually qualify for is the level of deposit that you've got. So if people don't have equity and we're relying on savings, so in this instance, we've got around $80,000, then we know that for any investment... Six, savings 65. 15 and 65. So it says oh, here... Oh, okay. So I thought that was towards the income. No, I, th I think that's oh, not, oh, 15K bonus, so 65 in savings. Okay, yeah. there we go. Right, cool. So bonus income is an interesting one because bonus income gets averaged out over the most recent two years with most banks and lenders. Obviously, at this point with a base income of 185, it's really going to be a probably irrelevant in this search um, situation. But the, the saving side of things is really important. So when we look at an investment purchase, we know that clients need to put in at least a 10 to 12% deposit, plus being able to pay for the stamp duty and other fees yeah, and charges. So you're looking at buying a minimum property of 450,000, you'll need around 65 to 70,000 to make that work. So and look, I'll be honest, I started uh, with yeah. a similar savings. Correct. Yeah. And so there's definitely opportunities at certain price points with that level of savings. And as that savings grows, that obviously opens up more opportunities for properties at potentially a higher price point, but certainly enough to get started in the market. Uh, absolutely. And look, you got to remember, even if you start at a lower price point in that market around your, your 4 four fifty sort of mark, I yep. mean, that, that's basically where I started. That property grows pretty quickly. And then before yep. you know it, you're withdrawing for your next one. So you know, it's okay as long as you get your foot in the door because you're potentially saving or earning in terms of equity growth could be $150,000 in that next 12-month period. You just, Correct. you know, sixty to 170000 Yeah, 
exactly right. Exactly right. And some of the other things you can that we obviously talk to clients about is, you know, someone that's on a really high income and they're currently renting and wanting to go through that, um, you know, rent investing path. Um, we traditionally say to clients, maybe set up your investment loans as interest only. However, if you if this person really wants to fast track that journey, um, set up an set up a loan as principal and interest and pay down some of that debt um, in a fast rate of return, and then combined with that increase in value, they could you know multiply and get two or three properties in a much quicker time than that they would otherwise. So, um, Fantastic. Yeah. So, so by paying it down a little bit quicker, you're yeah. saying just put, pop a bit of money into it and then you basically got more equity because you owe less. Yeah, exactly right. And when you don't have a principal place of residence and you're renting, um, it's often a good strategy to actually do a bit of a debt reduction component on an investment property as well. There you go. Sometimes it just makes sense, doesn't it? Um, I've also got another case study come through here. Um, this yeah. one is a case study. So age 68, okay, so we're in the old, a little bit of the upper bracket there. So careful, Stacey. 68's not old today. It's not old anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the older you are, the old old yeah. becomes, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. All right, so age 68, income 80. Yep. Then we've got one house valued, 1.8 owes nothing. And yep. they want to replace their current income of eighty thousand. Now, this person is still working. Yep, definitely. Um, so I'll, t I'll touch on the age side of things because that does come up that, on a regular basis. That's pretty basis. more appropriate in this one, yeah. Yeah, so so banks often want to see when you get even some banks even when you get to age forty five, um, they want to see and have an understanding about what's called an exit strategy. So basically, when you stop working, am I going to be able to continue to afford the mortgage that I've got? Um, and if not, well, how am I actually going to continue to pay for it? So they yeah. want to have a clear understanding. So in this instance, for, for this person, having a property worth $1.8 million and not owing anything is a fantastic um, you know, start because you can do certain things like you can downsize your property. So you could sell that property, buy a property for a million dollars and have $800,000 cash to either continue to pay for your living expenses and your investment property or your exit strategy could simply be that you sell the investment property when you get to retirement, you clear the debt that you owe on it, um, and then whatever is left over, you can keep as proceeds into retirement. But for, for older borrowers, it really comes down to having a strong and clear exit component um, and ensuring that lenders are happy with that. But certainly and quite often, so um, with an older person, we can, even not in this position, you can couple them with someone else, so their kids or even their grandkids or anything, if they pair up with them, they can do things like joint ventures and things like that if they discuss it with them. Yeah, definitely. The, the one thing to note, though, is that most banks will still um, look at the eldest borrower at that point in time. So that probably won't improve anything too much. But banks are more than happy to continue to lend, um, you know, a 20 or 30 year loan term as long as there is a strong exit strategy. Not all okay. banks do it, of course, um, and it depends on their risk appetite. But, you know, there's certainly situations where people will go out to a, an, an 80 or 80 or 85 year old, um, you know, person. Fantastic. So we've got an income here combined. Mm -hmm. uh, 75000 one on the pension. So one's earning an income, one's on the pension. Okay. Um, own our own property, 350000 and three kids. So own the property outright, worth 350000 There's no debt against that property? That's what it looks like, but... So, um, just make that clear. So it, it looks like that. So if that person, or like, oh, Jeremy, if you want yep. to just pop up in there and just make that clear. So 
Do you own that property outright or do you have a debt on the property? Just pop it in the notes there and I'll run up on that one too. Yeah. So so one of the biggest things when it comes to borrowing is what's called um, household expenditure model, which is HEM. And this is a benchmark figure that banks use uh, to determine how much money you should be spending on a monthly basis as a minimum. So for a couple with three kids, um, that figure tends to be quite high. Um, and obviously that can be challenging when it comes to borrowing. So one of the other questions we would potentially ask someone like Jeremy is, um, you know, how old are the kids? Um, if they're under 13 years of age, for example, um, are you receiving Centrelink or family tax benefit as part of that income as well? Um, that because that, yeah, it certainly does because um, family tax benefit is tax-free income. So that makes a massive difference when it comes to... Um, yeah, you know, no debt, he said. No debt. Okay, yep. fantastic. So again, you know, having no debt on your principal place of residence is great. From an income perspective, it's probably not at the, at the higher end of that scale from, from a borrowing perspective, but given that we'd be able to count new rental income moving forward, potential depreciation and negative gearing, um, and if there's some Centrelink involved, I certainly think there'd be an opportunity for um, you know, a potential property uh, on the investment space. Fantastic. And then we've just got someone here. Where do we send the case notes? Just pop them right here in the chat if you like. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah, so just pop them right here in the chat. You can just be about yourself, it could be about a friend, as long as you're, you know, willing to put it up. All right, here we go. Popped it here in the chat now. Okay, couple. Income, one, 44 years, 104. Mm -hmm. Income number two, 47 years, zero. But looking. Okay, so they're currently looking for work. Okay, investment debt, 260. Investment value, approximately 360. There's 100,000 there. Currently sure. renting, saving, zero. Sure. Look, I think, I think that one's probably going to be a challenging one at the moment based on the second applicant not working um, but looking. So once there is an additional income position moving forward. Um, what does that uh, income look like, David? Because I know sometimes you're going to say to that other person, um, look for something in part-time that's going to earn you yeah. at least 20000 that's going to help sort of thing. Yeah. Look, it really just depends, I suppose. I mean, um, without knowing things like how much they're paying for rent, again, what the living expenses look like, um, are there any kids? Uh, there's just a combination of factors which we probably can't, I don't have the time to sort of go into tonight. But with the investment property value around 360, the debt 260, yeah. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be borderline. And and It'd I think it would really be it would really be dependent on the valuation side of things and how much equity is available because in, in lack of having any savings, I think that's going to be obviously uh, what I spoke about before, having those two key elements being income and, and contribution or equity or cash. Uh so and they've got it, equity sitting there but not yeah, quite so enough income, do you think? It's probably a combination of things. And what I always talk about is there's true equity and there's usable equity. So yeah. when you look at that example, they've got true equity of $100,000, but the usable equity is probably, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of 60000 at most. And so we'd need to make sure we could extract enough to buy a property. Otherwise, there's obviously no point doing an equity release if they can't use that moving forward to buy a property. Absolutely, yes. Um, one other good example, though, potentially for this person could be, you know, we talked about the self-managed super fund idea. So, you know, if you've got income yeah. of 104, you're in your 40s, traditionally you've been working for 20 years by, um, by now, you should have a super balance that's in excess of 150. Therefore, that's maybe an opportunity to buy in a self-managed super fund. And that's combined, you can combine your supers as well with each Correct. other to do that. Correct, yeah. Up to seven people, is it now, I, I believe? Into super funds, into mm -hmm. a self-managed super fund. 
yeah, it, it grows by the day. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you're looking at a potential property inside a self-managed super fund, that would be one way to get into the market. Plus, yeah. you're currently might not have enough in there to retire with, but if you by putting a property inside the super at the age you're at now, mm-hmm. that property is obviously going to multiply two, three times. Yeah, I mean, super the investing um, in property in super is essentially a diversification strategy, and and some people like to be able to control what investments they put their super into, and that's the whole point of a self managed super fund. I mean, we've seen industry funds and how they've performed over the last ten or twenty years, and we've seen how properties performed at that same point of time. So yeah. I'm I'm the sort of person who's got a self managed super fund who wants to control my own destiny, and so that's yeah. why I love that opportunity, and I think that it makes a lot of sense for a lot of people out there. But obviously, get you know independent legal advice and financial advice before you sort of go down that path. Absolutely. Well, David, I think we've come to the end of the case studies um, awesome. for now. So what we're going to do is finish up for tonight and see everyone. We're going across to our members area now, where we can answer a few more questions in there and expand. Fantastic. Been fun as always, Stacey, and uh, I'll catch up with you at the next one. Awesome. I will see you next week. Next week we're live, same channel. Okay, so same channel, same time. We'll see you there. See you. Bye. Okay.